The primary teachers are striking for the first time in 24 years and the fourth time ever. I actually remember the last strikes in 94. Uh, you may remember they were about pay parity with secondary teachers. Well, if you know, the primary teachers get what they want today, there'll be more pay parity uh, action from secondary te- teachers tomorrow. But, you know, action like this is very rare. And you have to ask yourself why teachers have not been standing up for themselves more through the years. And, of course, some will say the public service is taking advantage of the kinder, gentler, Labour-led coalition government. It may indeed be the case, but it's also fair to say that teachers have been complicit in their own fate. They've been too quiet for too long. There was a Labour government, you know, 10 years ago they could have actually had a chat with. Now, they say their main motivation is to cure the teacher shortage and that it's not about money. But it's about money because, goodness me, they're asking for 16% over two years, which is frankly pretty whopping in anybody's book. So you can see why the government's hesitating. You add into that the secondary school teachers who will be watching and plotting their move in the future. They'll be in like vultures if the primary guys get 16%, that's for sure. But we'll wait and see uh, if the teachers are prepared to move, which is what the government has asked them to be prepared to do. Well, one part of the demands of the secondary school teachers uh, I was looking at today is a, a complete no-brainer. Now, they've had the idea to um, ease the teacher shortage of a $100 housing allowance for people who are in high-rent or high-cost towns and cities. Those people paying mortgages in their first three years, those people paying higher rents. I think this is a good idea. There are many reasons why teachers' collective agreements upset some. And for many, it's because great teachers end up being paid exactly the same as average teachers. So where's the motivation? And this is a long-held argument, both for and against, that we've all talked about. But add on to this, uh, to me, the fact that you get paid the same no matter if you work in Waiuku or Wanganui or Winton or Wellington, it just seems to me to be bizarre. For instance, say you're a teacher in Winton. I had a look today at real estate. There's a lovely three-bedroom house right in the centre of Winton for sale right now, warm with a modern kitchen on a 1,000 square metres, and they want $315,000. Now for a teacher on exactly the same money in Wellington, try finding something like that. Yeah. Try finding a rental in Wellington compared to Winton, and yet the two teachers get the same pay. It's bizarre, isn't it? You know, I knew a teacher in Auckland who moved to Napier 10 years ago. She had a lovely house in Auckland. She had a lovely life, and her kids were friends with my kids. And suddenly she says, we're off to Napier. And I said, why? Is it family? What is it? She said, oh, no, I just want a better life. Well, we caught up with her a while back. She is rapturously happy. She's in a nice town. She's got a great house, got the same pay. And she told me that moving to Napier 10 years ago, in effect, doubled her salary. Best thing she ever did. Because it's cheaper there. So news flash to union negotiators and all those who believe in collective agreements. Not all teachers are created equal. But equally, not all towns and cities are the same. And this is called reality. So the sooner teachers get some wriggle room to cater in their salaries for ability and living circumstance, the better. And that alone 
would go a long way towards keeping and attracting teachers.